a reminder, those we had this last night, and they're in the back. Take one for yourself and one for others. These are the, the Jesus Film DVD. Um, this was provided in cooperation with Saturate USA, and that's uh, something we're going to be participating with pretty soon. And that is an endeavor to get, among other things, a little bit of literature. I'm not talking about the little Bible tracts, but a little bit of literature, a little bit about us, and one of these in every household in a zip code. So that's that's what's coming. We we kind of punted it a little bit while we were getting through some other projects here in the church. But um, but in the meantime, take one of these. There's three films on it. There's some additional resources and share it. Give it to a friend. We have tons, 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 tons. So um, and, and if we need to, we'll order more. That's that's how important this is. And just again, a reminder, obviously, of the, the leadership conference coming up on February 5th. Um, I think there's some great opportunities. And it's kind of like, um, not exactly like our Bible study, but but in, in some respect, what I love about our Bible study, which I actually call a discussion either on, on Wednesday night or on Sunday morning, it's not about reading and answering the questions because we can do that on our own. What's great is when we come around the tables and we answer the questions and we share our understanding or ask a question or share a testimony or an experience we had. And that's what, to use a church word, edifies others. That's what causes spiritual growth. So when we go to these conferences, you may or may not get a whole lot out of it, but you may give a ton to someone else that they get out of it. So um, I think these things are, are awesome, especially when we're, we're blessed enough and they're free and close and, and such. It just makes it a lot easier to go to because we aren't having to uproot and, and uh, get on a plane. And, and a lot of those are, are fantastic as well. But these are people that, that we're going to be sitting around with that we're probably going to run into at Walmart. And we may make some friends and, and make some really powerful, to use the term alliances, and I don't mean that in negative, but but we are. We're in this together in Christ's name, and that is that is the definition of an alliance. But before I get this week's message, I want to follow up on the challenges that I issued last week when we were talking about intentional generosity. And I had issued this challenge. I said, I wanted us to identify the red kettles, right? These symbols in our lives, those things that remind us and call us to be generous, whether it's your time or your talents or treasure. And I hope you were able to take advantage of these. I hope you were able to see something that reminded you. And I decided I'm going to open it up to anybody's testimony or, or at least an, an answer. So. Does anybody have, did anybody have an experience or, but I'll tell you what is just as good. Maybe you witnessed one. Maybe you saw someone being generous. Anything? I had an opportunity with a group of friends. We went to dinner. We all contributed a certain dollar amount. And the young lady that was our waitress was in need of some help. And we were able to, after the bill was paid, to give her $1,880. Nice. She made, she had three three children, started college, and her car was having problems. So. Yeah. yeah. So this was not only a, a person that you knew was in need, not only a person that was actually trying to work the way out of it with multiple jobs and efforts, but you guys were able to, through lavish generosity, really just take care of her with a, a tip that I'm sure blew her away, and I'm sure that was powerful. And I... I I pray that it wasn't just your group and her that saw it, but the other employees, the other people in the restaurant. Managers are a part. Okay. And so they saw an opportunity as well to help someone be generous. These are powerful testimonies. Mine this week isn't that exciting. Um, in fact, I'm going to have to 
I like to run through McDonald's in the morning. I do. I do. That's my thing. When I go to the office, that's <laughs> it inspires me. Um, but the one there's, you know, they're every five miles, obviously. But there's one right by our house, and and there's two things I love about this McDonald's. The most simple one is the guy always says, "Bless you." God bless you. And I think that's I think that's cool. And I, I just hope people respond favorably to that. I hope he doesn't. But he says that every time anyway. And the other thing I love is the person that takes your order says, would you like to round that up for Ronald McDonald? And if you look on any of the, the menu screens, they all say that at the bottom. Ask to round up or say, I want to round up. They all say it. But this person asks every time. And I have decided to make a commitment. Every time they ask, I'm going to say yes. At the most, it's cost me 99 cents, but it's the principle. And what I love about that, think about how many people go through these drive throughs And by one person asking, by one person saying, hey, would you like to contribute to this red kettle opportunity? Let's say everybody gave the one to 99 cents. Can you imagine how much money that would be going into, in this case, the Ronald McDonald House? And if you're not familiar with it, it provides a place um, and resources for, for parents when their kids are in the hospital. It's a wonderful program. I know, I think there's several in Kansas City, and I imagine elsewhere as well, Columbia as well. Um, can you imagine your kid being sick and you're having to, to go take care of them and you don't have time to go home or you don't want to go home or, or you know, you live two hours away and they give you a place to stay and feed you and, and take care of you so you can focus on your child. What a wonderful thing for 99 cents. Ah. So, I, I, you know, these are the red kettle things that you probably just aren't thinking about. I, really, again, the challenge is be aware. Be aware of them. Seek them out and then respond purposefully, intentionally. And, and if you didn't take that challenge or perhaps you missed the opportunities, and I have good news, this week's a do-over. You get another chance. And if you were successful in this challenge, I have good news for you as well. You get a chance to do it again. Will you express intentional generosity? Now, let me ask you this. Did you witness someone? And, and we saw that. And, and, and that's a powerful testimony as well. When you see someone doing this, it should be inspiring. And, and maybe you're thanking God that there are people like that. So this is what we're going to talk about this week. In fact, I titled the message Front Row Seeds. There are some things that you just can't do justice with your words. And and times that you just had to be there to understand. And, and we can all think of these. Like in a former position, for example, I, the company I worked for had a contract to provide from some services for the Kansas Speedway. I had a chance to get hot pit passes. Now, I'm not a huge NASCAR fan. I, I, I know the driver's names, okay? But that, that was about the extent of it. And, and we got to go, and I took my dad, who, who was a huge NASCAR fan, certainly was at the time. If I could only name the drivers and what color their car was, he could tell you the pit crew guy's name. Okay, love this stuff. And it was a great opportunity for he and I to go. And what was neat about this is we, we took this box truck, and there were several employees there. And, and we got to climb on top of the box truck, and we were parked right behind the pit road. I mean, we were like, it was, there was us, and there was this. And we were up on top of this box truck sitting on our lawn chairs. And what was really neat about this is, is being there. Um, it was my first NASCAR experience. And, you know, the cars goes in by 43 at 200 miles an hour or whatever. And you, you could smell it. It's probably not a good smell, but it's a unique smell. You kind of, there literally is burnt rubber. And you can kind of get little grains on your skin from it. And, and you can smell the, the fuel is so just uh, alcohol rich. It just has that smell to, you know, almost like a, an airport would. Um, 
and, and, and everything just vibrates. It's just so incredibly loud. You just feel it. And, and I remember I'm sitting there and I put my, my soda down and yes, it was a soda. I put it down on top of the box truck. And, and every time the cars would come by, I have to grab it. Cause it would just start shaking and moving away, shaking and moving away. And, and yes, I could have watched it at home. And, and over the years we've kind of, you and I went one year and, and tried to introduce Sherry to NASCAR. That was the last time we went. <laughs> but, um, and I still can't get under Star Wars. I'm, I'm chipping away at her. We're on year six of me training her. There you go. That's right. Let's encourage her. Um, but, but there's something about being there. There's something about that experience. And, and you know, the Kansas City Chiefs are playing this afternoon. And, and although I am partial to the comfort and warmth of my couch um, during the games, there will be about seven to 5,000 people there experiencing that. Amazing. And we talk about some of these church conferences and promise keepers and Beth Moore things and where you have tens of thousands of people hearing this. Nah, you know, and there's something about when they're seeing those hymns and praise songs and just gives you chills amazing and, and Connie, you had this experience with a smaller amount there's something about being there in these experience that you can say it was wonderful and we did this and it was great but you had to be there to really get it right can you relate is there something in your life that you just had to be at to experience perhaps it was a concert um that was so more immersive and engaging than a cd is it, is it a historical event you got to say i was there i saw this happen what about the birth of your child there's nothing that can explain what you feel when you see that child or hold that child or grandchild. I am convinced that you can never put appropriate words to what you feel in some of these moments. But I also want you to hear some words from Scripture. To Job 42.5, he was kind of capturing. He says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. He says, but now my eye sees you. Okay, he's experienced God in person. John 4, 42. And they were saying to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the savior of the world. We were there. We saw it. We experienced him. You see, God is always at work in the world and we are constantly experiencing the expression of his involvement. Everything from the beauty of the earth to, to honest to God miracles. And in our humanity, we want to be richly blessed. We do. Have all the prayers answered, to be the recipient of miraculous things. And we want a constant, tangible reminder of God's love for us individually. Of course we do. We want to know and feel and experience God at every moment, right? Especially in times like this where we're facing uncertainty politically and, and with health and, and all these things. We're like, God, I need to know. I mean, I need to feel that you are in control. But sometimes we're there in the front row watching what God is doing in the lives of others. There's still a purpose and responsibility on our part as, as Christian spectators. This is what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes. Educators will tell you that the experiential learning is the best way for deep knowledge. Right, Hearing it is good. Reading it is better. Saying it out loud and is, is even better than that. And they're very effective. But seeing it and doing it are a whole nother level of knowledge. That is why, regardless of the education received, there's usually a period of on-the-job training, an, intern an internship, a job shadowing, or, or an orientation period. Okay, If you learn what you've seen and heard, and go do it. Experience it for yourself. Remember, you just had to be there. 
Experiential learning doesn't necessarily mean that you had to be directly involved to experience it. It may have just been the witnessing that left the impact as you're watching things be done. Let's, let's look at Jesus' at disciples, for example. They spend at most three years with Jesus, at, at most, estimated three years. And what about the Apostle Paul? He had an experience on the side of the road, and it changed how he experienced the rest of his life. And as a result, it changed our experience with the gospel for an eternity. Sometimes they were the benefactor of the miracles, right? And the unbounded goodness of God and Jesus. But more often, they were in the front row witnessing it, watching it happen with their own eyes, seeing what Jesus was doing, these miraculous things, hearing Jesus teach and watching it. Think about the miracles we read about in Scripture. Even, even our best days, we may just be a touch skeptical of how this could possibly happen. Maybe there's something that explains it. Maybe this is an allegory or, or something like that. But if you were to see it with your own eyes, a few loaves of bread and some fish feeding 5,000 with leftovers, the sick being healed, vision restored, calming of the sea. I mean, if you were there, whoa. I, I don't think I could possibly do it justice with my words, nor can I contain my excitement. Jesus knew the power of testimony, so he didn't feel heal people or save lives just so he could have an entourage. Okay, I did it. Follow me. You know, you can be one more. I saved your life. You owe me your life. I mean, that's that's kind of how we respond, but that's not what he did it for. He came to do these things so that God would be glorified. So this is a this is so this place that as John 14 3 states, it says he has gone ahead to prepare. Okay. This place that in John 14 says Jesus has gone ahead to prepare. He did this so he's preparing that place for more and more people. He came here to, so that he could take more people with him. I want to just take a, a few minutes this morning to look at some examples from Scripture. I'm going to look at John 4. In John 4, we, we find the story of Jesus with a Samaritan woman. Samaritan woman. All right, so he was he was headed back to Galilee, and on the way... Uh, he went through Samaria, and he came to a town in Samaria called Sichar, and, and near this place he, he was at the well, and it was about noon, so it was the, the high, part, high part of the day. And while he was there, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. I'm starting in verse 7. It says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? It says his disciples had gone into town to buy food. It says the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She responds, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you find this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank for it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of life, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So I told her, Go call your husband and come back. And it goes on and it interacts. Jesus knows. He says, She says, I have no husband. He goes, I know that. And not only that, but you have five husbands, and then the guy you're with now, he's not one of them, okay? So he knows this about her, and, and, and she's not 
by social standards, necessarily the, 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 the most pure woman or whatever. And, and so Jesus decides to, you know, he sends her to go get her husband and, and she says, um, well, you must be a prophet. You must be a prophet. Um, she says, I, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. He says, Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Okay, so it's been revealed. We skip ahead and the disciples are turning. Then what she did was she left her jar of water. The woman went back to town and, and said to people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Skipping ahead to verse 39 now, it says, Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Or that verse was I shared a moment ago. Again, Jesus didn't just heal her, forgive her sins, and, and, and move on. He says, go. Go tell people. Tell people what I'm telling you. Tell people who I am. And he brought, she brought him back. He spent two days. And two days worth of experiences came out of that situation. In Mark 5, we, we read the story of, of Jesus who comes into contact with a demon-possessed man. And this was actually captured last night in the Jesus film we watched here. It says, they went across the lake to the region of Gasserines. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came down from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell to his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. We know what happens. The spirit leaves him. And I'm going to jump ahead to verse 18. So that Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but he said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell all in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. He had a front row seat to the work of God, and he went and told others what he had experienced. Mark 16, we know this story well, but I'm going to share it again. Mark 16, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, mother of Mary Jane, mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. He had been in the tomb. Very early on the first day of the week, after, their, after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where he had been laid. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you in the Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. 
You ever notice how many times people are told to go? You don't have to hang out here in my presence. You don't have to be here. Go. Do something with this. Verse 8. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. He went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning the weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. That's what happens when you're not there to experience it. But afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for the lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he'd risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, you're probably more likely with this account in Matthew 28, 19. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Go, do, share your experience. And this isn't a new commandment. God's work in the world wasn't a new phenomenon. The glorious praises of the Psalms echo the joy of witnessing God's work. Psalms 105, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Share your witness experience. Verse 2, it says, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell all of his wonderful acts. Psalm 71, starting verse 7, I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Verse 14, as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will claim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation. Your mighty acts to all who are to come. God will use you to share the good news. You have a purpose in your role, even if it's just as an observer. You know, uh, we've taken a couple looks at this over the, the last four, almost five years. A, a message I titled, Who Am I in a History, where we looked at parables and, and biblical stories, but from a different point of view, like the Good Samaritan. We often look at it from, from those roles. But what about the innkeeper that was paid? The, the experience, the witness that, that was shared with him that he, you know, that someone was helped another person and brought him. This is like you witnessing that generosity. You know, we we look at Christmas and, and we look at it from the, the you know, so many different point of views. And it's really easy to consider it from the shepherds and all that. Remember Joseph. Remember the innkeeper. Sometimes there's power. Actually, every time there is power and witnessing from the front row the workings of God and what he's doing. You don't have to be the intended target of that blessing to experience that blessing and to share it. Isaiah 43.10 says, You are my witness, declares the Lord, and my servant who I am chosen. You are my witness. John 3.11, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify 
what we've seen and you do not accept our testimony. Don't be discouraged when you're being obedient and it's not received the way you think it should be. You may be planting a seed that God is going to use later. Witnessing miracles in our lives and the lives of others and sharing the excitement of the news, celebrating what is seen and the blessing that was that you saw given to others, that exciting stuff. The, the, the disciples and the apostles were both so excited and so obedient to share what they had witnessed that they wrote a book about it. They wrote a book about it. Have you read this? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the epistles, others. Have you read it? They were so excited about what they'd seen and learned. They put it in words for all generations, just like the psalmist wrote. I am going to pass it on to the next generation. As Christians, we get to experience God's work in the world from the front row. And what's great is, as Christians, we recognize it. As a community of believers that we collectively call the church, we get to cheer along with others and enjoy the home field advantage of our seats. And the great thing is that we know the outcome. Jesus overcame the world. God won, good won, evil lost. This is the shared testimony of Christians when they share the gospel. This is the shared excitement of all humanity when God works in the world. John 15, 15 says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I've heard from my father I have made known to you. We are friends of Jesus. He has given us knowledge and wisdom. Not everything but enough to go do what we need to be doing in this world. Do you know what I can't wait to experience? The love of God in person. And I mean in his presence. And his presence is here in this room, you know, but I'm talking about when I get to heaven and I am at the foot of that throne, I am excited. Psalmist 27, 4 says, One thing I have asked the Lord that I will seek after. He says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Wow. Let's make that our prayer. Creator God, you are so amazing. The way that you work in this world, even when we don't recognize it. Lord, the way that you care for each one of us, even though we don't appreciate it all the time. Lord, we are blessed. To know what it is you have called us to do. And Lord, we are blessed to know that you love us and you work in this world to express that love in so many ways. And so we have the benefit of recognizing your work. And we are given front row seats in so many aspects of our life where we get to see your work in other people. The blessings that they may not realize are coming from you. We pray that they give you glory and praise for it, but we certainly do because we are right there. You know, when sometimes you call us in from the stand, you say, I need a volunteer. I need someone to come up on stage so I can do this miraculous trick. Lord, let us ever be obedient to that calling. But even when we're in the stands, when we're watching what you're doing in this world, may we respond with excitement and joy 
and leave this place and tell others what you have done, what we've seen and experienced the best we can. And even when we feel discouraged because it's falling on deaf ears, no one believes that, that what we've seen or heard or believed could possibly happen. Lord, we know the truth because we've seen it with our own eyes and we feel it with our own heart. We thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for the community. Lord, I thank you for everyone here, our snowbirds who are away that, that continue to listen online and support this church. Lord, we know that they are out there witnessing in your name in another part of the country, and we are thankful for that opportunity. God, may we be changed for what we've heard this morning, for what we've been reminded of, and let's not ever stop the hard work that's required to make a difference in this world. Thank you for the help that you provide through your son, through the Holy Spirit. Lord, again, thank you for who you are. In your son's name we pray. Amen.